guys, Rashid Phillips here, and welcome to another episode of This Week in Barbecue, the podcast that focuses on both the good, bad, and everything in between in the world of barbecue. This week, we've got some amazing stories that are a little bit different than our normal take, but I hope you'll uh, sit down, tune in, and go along with me, because I think it's going to be something you're going to enjoy. I don't know much, but I do know one thing for certain, and news never tasted so good. So with that being said, let's get right into our first story. Now, barbecue, we all know it for various different meanings, various different emotions being evoked, but what if barbecue stood for business, branding, and quality? Well, in this particular story, that's what I believe it stands for. We have an amazing story of pitmaster and owner of Cali Barbecue, Sean Walshef, you know you have chef in the last name, I can go wrong, who is taking a very interesting approach in regards to his barbecue business uh, by stating, and I quote, let me get this right here, his goal, and I quote, is to be the Amazon Prime of barbecue and media. So Sean is taking a completely different approach in regards to the business. He's not only focusing on the, uh, the, the meals and food he's serving, but he's also focusing on the branding and the media around it, sort of encasing it all in one. Sounds familiar, you know, great minds think for themselves, but sometimes lines get crossed and here we are. So right on, good on you, Sean. Um, I think I really like this story because of all the moves Sean has made to diversify himself and shift his business needs. Now, we have all been going through the pandemic together. I don't think there's anyone on the face of the planet who hasn't been impacted in some way, shape, or form. Now, Sean once had, and still does have, a very large facility, I believe it was about 5,700 square foot facility in which they were able to house, you know, roughly 275 odd guests at a time. Now, pandemic doing what it has done to most businesses that number had to be slashed but Sean didn't just stop there he didn't just sort of take the hits lying down he pivoted and decided to turn a lot of that space convert it invest and convert it into a commissary which can then be used for ghost kitchen restaurants if you guys haven't heard that term it's the first time hearing it google it ghost kitchens are popping up left and right they're taking over the new way for very small independent chefs and, and, and restaurateurs to be to get their product out to the masses using, once again, this is all about modern tech, using apps such as DoorDash, Uber Eats, things of that nature. So give that a look. But it's great to see that Sean has done this and not only created the commissary, but also created a media business around his current business, Cali Barbecue where he's hosting different people in the hospitality field. Now he states, though there is revenue coming in from the podcast and the streaming, which he's also working on streaming a show, he's got a lot going on, I really respect it. Gotta diversify those revenue streams. Though revenue is coming in from those platforms, it's not where he wants it to be yet, but it's better than nothing. See, it's a very long game, whether you're doing barbecue, media, or any career or entrepreneurial path and Sean seems to have a very clear goal in mind and understands that he's got to build these infrastructures and get these foundations set up in place first then 
continue to grow them, let them grow, uh, scale upward across the entire board. And that's what he's doing. And it seems to be working out rather well for him. So good on you, Sean. I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Continue utilizing the networks and media and outlets and tools at your disposal because it's not just about barbecue. I've said this before, barbecue is a multi-billion dollar industry. Though it's popularized in the backyard, it doesn't necessarily have to stay in the backyard. You just have to decide which side of the business you want to be on, you know, the consumer or the producer of it. And uh, Sean's definitely drawing his stance in line in the sand with all of his endeavors. So best of luck to you, brother. Really can't wait to follow up and see exactly just how far you take it. Now our next story, I don't want to preface by saying I'm not saying that barbecues will close the deal, but I'm also saying that barbecue really did play a big part in it. So Justin Reed discusses and shares how one of the main factors that helped draw him to the Chiefs wasn't just the city and the people, but the food as well and how welcoming they seem and just the amazing thing we heard about that. So it's really fun to me to hear that uh, barbecue can play an element and a very integral part of a decision-making process when selecting a team and where to go. Uh, could you imagine if a lot more athletes followed their stomach <laughs> in regards to where they would make their final decisions for calling a home home and picking a particular team? I often wonder, especially after reading this story, just how many athletes have done this but just haven't been really vocal about it. But uh, Justin shares in an interview how he spoke with numerous people and had nothing but amazing uh, responses and feedback and stories told to him about making his decision to go with the Chiefs. But he also highlights that on game days as you're driving up, you can actually smell the aroma of barbecue and wood-fired pits rolling in the air. And I don't know about you, but if I'm out there and I'm giving it my all and I smell that aroma, I'm going an extra 150% because I want to win and celebrate with a heaping pile of ribs. Now, Kansas City fans, they're, they're known for so many things, but it's definitely barbecue. There's no um, minced words about how huge an effect barbecue plays in uh, football there and in the sports community as a whole. So, uh, Justin, good on you. Congrats on the decision. I hope you have a, a bountiful amount of food and delicious barbecue during the offseason. And you know you enjoy it in, in, in uh, the right amounts during uh, the season. But it's great to hear that uh, barbecue is really making it and aiding to play a part in some of these really big decisions. So I just had to share that story. It was very fun. It was very lighthearted. And uh, you know, this week in barbecue, you got to share the good, the bad, and everything in between. And that was a good one to share. All right, guys, this next story takes us to North Texas, where we're going to talk about a story with Todd David. He's the head pit master at Cadillac Barbecue over in North Texas. And uh, of course, the subject matter is the increasing prices in meat. We are all feeling it from gas going up exponentially to chickens to pork to beef. Everything costs a lot more now than it did this time last year. And it's really applying pressure to communities and businesses all around. If you've realized that your weekly spending allotment for groceries has gone up 50 to $70, but 
You're not buying anything new, you're literally buying the same exact thing. Imagine doing that on a larger scale for a restaurant. It is very, very difficult. It's something that I'm even facing now as I prepare for my first pop-up of the year, April 9th, which may end up being the only pop-up of the year I do because I'm trying to offer as much as I can, but I'm also realizing I'm gonna be soaking up so much of that cost. Todd explains how he's looking at it from a consumer perspective where he's trying to remain affordable and that's a challenge because he's also a business. As a business owner myself, we can only absorb so much costs before we just have to either remove the item, uh, cut back the portions, which can also ruin the overall experience. And you don't want to make such drastic changes so quickly that you end up losing some of your lifelong customers and you stop the ability from gaining any new ones. But when prices are going up at the rate they're going, you've got to be very, very strategic and meticulous with every cook, with every slab of ribs, with every whole pack or anything of brisket. You just have to be very, very intentional with your trimming and your cuts and be resourceful. I know. For me, I'm using every possible thing I can, you know, uh, if I'm trimming off my briskets, I'm already saving the off-cut fats to see if I have enough trimmings with pork to perhaps create some uh, sausage links, or I'm taking that beef fat and I'm rendering it down to make some smoked tallow that I can use for future cooks, or maybe use as little giveaways or marketing tools or something. You're gonna have to diversify, you know, Todd explained that they've had to increase their prices only because it got to a point where they just couldn't absorb anymore and they just pass along that little additional just to keep the doors opening. He's saying he's being even more intentional with his cooks, keeping very strict and detailed cook weights and allotment of, and amounts throughout the week in service. So what does that look like? That would be, you know, if you've got 10 briskets, you're sort of weighing them before trim, post trim, and post cook. And then at the end of the day, you're going through and seeing how much was served. Do you have any leftovers? If you find that you continuously have, you know, maybe five or six pounds left over, maybe you just cook one less brisket. And that may not seem like a lot, but if you can save one less brisket per day, over the course of being open for a month, that's a huge savings that can add up in a time where every nickel and every dollar counts. So to Todd, to all the other pitmasters in Northeast Texas, to all the, the restaurant owners all over, I wish you well. We are all in this together. We are all doing our best to keep an amazing customer experience without sacrificing the quality of the craft that we love so much. I can just only wish you guys well and hope that you guys continue to share your experiences and tips because it is a way for all of us to learn from one another and hopefully push through this better than how we went into it. So to all of you, just power on through. It, it will eventually get better. We're just in the thick of it for now. All right, guys, let's head into our hot and fast section on this week's episode of This Week in Barbecue. We have talked about this gentleman time and time again, and that is because he continues to push through and get the recognition that he deserves. Uh, Mr. Matt Horn has sat down with Sunset.com to give a very detailed interview and talk about his new endeavor, Cowbird, which opened this year. 
but not only does he have uh, new endeavors releasing, he shares some of the recipes in his widely anticipated cookbook, Horn Barbecue, which you can still pre-order on Amazon. I'm gonna make sure I put that in the show notes before, but I'll have the link to the interview in the show notes as well, because he discusses his bread pudding recipe, a great overall mop sauce that can be used to in pre and post cook and even during. There's a lot of tips and fun facts in here that I think you all will enjoy. Um, along with that in this hot and fast, Kevin Bloodsoe's book is still available for pre-order on Amazon as well. Uh, also, shout out to my buddy Ash if you haven't already. Go ahead and uh, give him a follow. He's doing some amazing things with the barbecue market where they've worked out a deal to help those get you know an extra 10 to 15 percent off on meat orders, I believe, as well, which is a very <laughs> wonderful and much-needed act right now. Uh, Preserve the pit is closed, but winners should be announced very very soon so to those of you who applied i wish you the best of luck because i know how life-changing that mentorship and the funds can be especially when you're starting out in these times but that is a wrap on this week in barbecue's hot and fast section now we're heading over to my favorite section the q a where you guys have submitted some amazing questions throughout the week I get to answer them in length without a 15 second uh, clock running over my head. So let's start with the first one, shall we? This first question we've got from Hollis who asked, I know you use a master build, but what do you think of Trader Grills? Good question, brother. Um, I don't know what to think. I've never used one. So I don't like to speak on things that I'm not familiar with or that I've run through the processes completely. I'm not one to bad mouth one rig over another. I've only actually only spoken on rigs I have used. Now you may be thinking, oh, well, there was one on the show. Yes, there was one on the show, but that unit I had in particular was not functioning. So though it was there, I ended up having to do my cook elsewhere. So I still can't really speak on them. Um, I, I, I really don't know. So I've never had a, a actual full experience of using a trigger pellet uh, smoker electric doohickey before so uh, I, I can't really say good bad and different or what to look out for or what to modify so that's why I just don't speak on them a lot I know I've gotten asked that question numerous times before you know why I don't talk on it well this is why because I've never utilized one so I, I, I want to make sure that if, if and when I do speak on it it is from a place of experience and not assumption Thanks for asking that question. Hope it answers. Next up, we've got a question from Brian Miller who asks what he should do with leftover pork butt. Man, this is so, so many options. You can use it uh, to make uh, burritos, tacos, fry it up on a griddle with some eggs for breakfast. You can portion it off in freezer bags and vacuum seal it for later on down the road when you don't really feel like putting a meal together. It's great to top off with some shredded cheddar cheese, make yourself some pulled pork nachos, or um, make some adult sloppy joes with it, you know, a ton of barbecue sauce, add in some chopped tomatoes, mushrooms, and such like that, and have a great little meal. There's so many things you can do with it. I actually wrote up a recipe uh, from Masterbuilt where I made reverse jalapeno poppers. So I'll link that below so you can check it out, but it was a fun, simple recipe that utilizes uh, pulled pork and you've got an abundance of it, you know, always portion out half and vacuum seal it out so you have it and then 
play around with the other set. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. You check it out. You let me know what you think. But those are just some of my ideas and suggestions of what I would do with uh, some leftover bullpen. Got a great question here um, from Haley Growlers who asked, where do I get my wood from? Well, Haley, I split it. I go out and I cut down trees. It's something that I've really enjoyed doing uh, since starting the business because it was one of those things that I realized early on. If I can always mitigate my costs for my fuel, I can always offer my product at a lower cost. I run big rigs, 500 gallon or 1,000 gallon or 250 gallon reverse flow offset smokers. Their fireboxes are huge. They take a lot of wood. And if I were constantly paying three, four, five hundred dollars a week for wood, I'm going to be out almost two grand a month, right? So that's going to hit me at about twenty-four thousand dollars in just wood a year. Can you imagine? So I took it upon myself from the very beginning to say, "Hey, I'm making twenty-four thousand dollars a year by putting in this elbow grease to source my own wood." Now, next question may be, "Well, where do you source your own wood?" Here's my tip. Go to Craigslist, especially after huge storms. Go to Craigslist, search free wood. We had a couple of bad storms in Georgia over the last couple of weeks, and like clockwork, a day or two after, it's up there. Hey, I've got this fall in the country, or hey, I've got two acres trees that went down, I just need them gone. You would be surprised how many people just want it gone. They're already down, they're blocking their way, and I've been doing this and using this trick for the longest time and it has saved me countless thousands of dollars by saying, okay, I'm gonna take four, five, six hours each of these two or three days, go out, get myself a really good chainsaw, which I've gotten, cut that bad boy up, toss in the bed of the truck, come back and just start going away at it, splitting them up and stacking them to dry. And it's, yes, very laborious, but especially in times like this, where everything is higher than normal. If you're able to save and cut costs in your business, especially in something that is gonna be so consumable and that you actually need to run your business, this is the way to do it. I appreciate the question and I hope this helps. Next, we got a question from Tim who asked, can you make pulled pork out of the shoulder? And the answer is yes, because the butt is called the butt, but it's from the shoulder. That's a lot of butts in there to follow, but you get it. <laughs> a little barbecue joke. Um, if you've ever been to a whole hog cook or seen a whole hog cook, you'll see exactly what I mean. Everything is shreddable when the hog is cooked right, when you've heated and uh, applied the right amount of coals and heat and time to the hams and like it's and shoulders, it's all coming apart when done properly. So, short answer to your question. Yes, yes you can. With this week being St. Patty's week, I've got a great question here from Bruce to asked, do I steam or boil my corned beef as part of my pastrami cook? And no, no I don't. I only thing I do really different, uh, roughly two or three things. I brine the brisket for roughly three to five or seven to 10 days, just depending on uh, the brine that I've built in and the end result that I'm looking for. Very, very minimal trim. Like, very, very minimal. I'd still remove that deco because that's just a huge chunk of adding once that. But on top of that, aside from that, I add a little bit of extra spices, some uh, 
rounded starting yeast, a little sumac, and some uh, peppercor extra peppercorn or coriander, a few other things to the exterior rub. And then I let that bad boy slow go. 250 topped out at 275, just let it really go nice and slow. And towards the end for my wrap, instead of butcher paper, I will use aluminum foil. But those are my only changes and tweaks that I do for my pastrami. I, I don't do the boils and things like that, but not saying that's right or wrong. This is just how I get the end result that I'm looking for from my particular cooks. Appreciate the question, hope this helps. I remember this one when it was posted. This is from G Frey, he asked, What's the difference between marinating and brining? Which I really like. I think it's the first time I've gotten this question. With marinating, it's typically a topical coat of seasoning and flavor only. With brining, the protein is fully submerged, meaning the extra flavors and spices that you're uh, trying to get in are penetrating all the way down into the bone. And I can speak for this because I've made numerous um, pastrami beef ribs and when you get down into that bone it's even changed color a bit so those are the differences for me but I utilize both steps when making a lot of my dishes like when I'm making uh, jerk chicken my way as close to the traditional way as I possibly can here without pimento wood I do brine the chicken first then pat it dry then hit it with the marinade and I've got flavor all the way through and I've got a very moist piece of protein before it's even cooked because all those that extra moisture is just slowly going to fall out but leave so much flavor within the cook so i like to utilize both especially with my conjure chicken i've got a turkey video and recipe out there that you'll see that i even utilize both we brine the bird for three days then we still put on a nice marinade and rub on top of it before putting it on for the cook but if you've got the time Play around, experiment, take notes. I always say that, take notes of your cooks before, after, what you liked, what you didn't like, things you want to improve upon. I promise you will help, especially when you're doing things and additional techniques like this. So, appreciate the question, brother. Keep them coming. All right, and we're gonna wrap up with this last question from JMC, who asked, does smoking the tallow change the flavor than just making stovetop tallow? The answer is a resounding yes, without a doubt especially when you're adding those extra herbs and spices to it when you're just splitting that garlic head in half tossing it in there splitting that onion in there whole getting a um some sprigs of rosemary and thyme and putting it in there as you're smoking that when smoked and rendered out properly a properly smoked tallow is just so aromatic that you can't even compare it to your standard stovetop you really can't because that smoked tallow the second you open the container, scoops them out, put it on a hot griddle, it gets warm, though that aroma and those fragrances fill the air. It's just as though you had your smoker running again. So I always smoke my towel. I always make sure I save off my trimmings and I'll put them, if I don't have enough yet, I'll put them in a vacuum safe bag or in a vacuum seal bag that I can use. Vacuum them down and I'll just pop it all up for a big long cook. I'll chuck them when ready into a cast iron skillet or Dutch oven with the herbs and spices lid on covered close to the uh, chimney of my rig and just let it smoke, let it get that flavor. Render it out, mason jar, seal it, and save it and just use it. 
frequently in exchange wherever I would use butter or an olive oil or duck fat, that's what I'm going to. If you haven't experimented with it, I definitely suggest it's something you do because it's gonna give you amazing results. So if and when you do, shoot me a message. I'd love to see how it turned out for you. And I appreciate the question. All right, guys, that is it. We are at the end of this latest episode of This Week in Barbecue. I truly appreciate you all tuning in. Once again, I really love all the questions you guys submit. Keep them coming. It causes me to think, and I just love being able to provide answers for you all and get you guys a little bit further in your barbecue journey. If you haven't already, please like, subscribe, share, tell a friend to tell two friends to follow us. And it would mean a lot to me if you left a review on whatever platform you're listening on. It helps me get better so I know what changes and things you guys like. And if there's any additional questions, drop me a line. We're at This Week in Barbecue everywhere. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for listening.